Good morning, our Lord's Community Church. Oh, man. Good to be with you. For the uh, half of you that were here when I was here, um, <laughs> it's good to be back. For the other half, my name is Rock Bottomley, and I used to pastor here before I passed the baton to A.T., and it's great to be part of the new things that God is doing through the uh, new team that he's raised up, through A.T. and Brad and Mike and Brock and, and Kristen and Esther and all these folks. And it's wonderful to, to see so many new faces. So anyway, it's good to be back. Uh, really for that last year and a half, Bev and I have kind of split our time three ways. We've uh, spent about a third of the time coaching some other churches and other pastors. About a third of our time doing marriage training uh, in the Middle East area. And then about a third of our time just enjoying our kids and grandkids. And we have loved it. It's been a wonderful time, but it's great to be back with you. Great to be back with you. Okay, um, so let's begin. Let's open our Bibles. If you have a Bible, if you'd open to Mark chapter 1. If you don't have one, you can probably get a Bible there in front of you and open to the story of Jesus as told by Mark, first chapter, and uh, find verse... 14, 14 and 15, and uh, we'll take a look here. Mark chapter 1, 14 and 15. There we go. It says, after John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. Repent and believe the good news. I want you to, uh, let me see if I can get this thing to work for us here. Some things don't ever change. Uh, <laughs> there we go. I got a blank screen. I got, okay. I want you to stand up with me. I want us to read this together. Say these words after me. This is the way they do it at the time of Jesus. When they read the scripture, they'd stand. Say these words after me. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Good. Please be seated. All right. I want to talk to you about the good news. Uh, I want to talk to you about the good news of God. And I'll uh, give you a little of the backstory of this. A.T. and I were talking. It was about, uh, about two months ago. We were sitting in the, in the elder board room. He was in there puzzling over something. We were talking about discipleship. That is, getting people to follow Jesus. And, uh, and as we talked, we realized that for many people, honestly, following Jesus is a struggle. And what I mean by that is, not only is it difficult, of course, it's supernatural, but just even the desire to follow Jesus sometimes is a struggle, we found. And we talked about that because we said we do programs, we organize things, and, and honestly, very few people respond and get into that. And as we talked about it, we said, you know, I think, we, I think there's something about the way we explain the gospel, the good news of God that misserves people. It doesn't help them follow through. And as we thought about it, we thought about our own lives, and we thought about many of the people that we think of, and we realize, you know, there are a lot of people, as we talk about, sing about the new life, for example, that God gives, a new heart and a new desire for God, a new closeness and intimacy with God and hearing his voice and, and uh, just a, a whole new life, they have trouble identifying with that. Even though they profess to be Christians and they come to church and, and they're involved in the things we do when we talk about the new life that God gives when they hear about it deep inside, they look inside and they say, you know, if I'm honest, that just hasn't really happened to me. I don't recognize a new God. Um, that's just not happened to me. And quietly they wonder why. And we realized, I mean, even as we thought about our own lives, because this was, this was true of us, we realized that many people don't understand even how to begin with God. Um, they may have been 
told at camp someplace or at VBS someplace or at some Sunday school uh, class someplace, you need to make this decision and pray this prayer. And they made that decision. They prayed the prayer. The trouble is the decision they made and the prayer they prayed is not the decision God calls them to make. And it's not what he calls them to say. And so they've been issued a counterfeit ticket that doesn't get them into the concert. Uh, For others, they don't realize that there's a decision to make at all. They just don't know how to begin. They're like me. I I grew up in a home. um, Mom and dad were, were, they didn't really believe in God. They didn't believe in Jesus, but they loved Christian ethics. They were good scouts, right? Scout is trustworthy, loyal, friendly, courteous, helpful, brave, clean, and reverent. And they, uh, they figured, where do you find people like that? You find them in church. Those are the ways of Jesus. So when I was in the eighth grade, they took me to church. I remember we lived in Montgomery, Alabama. We walked two blocks down to this beautiful, big southern Presbyterian church. I mean, it was a bastion of orthodoxy and, and Bible teaching. And, and I was in the eighth grade, and so I went through the confirmation, you know, the classes where you, you learn about all these things. And I sat in there, and I couldn't connect the dots at all. And I think what I heard in there is if I really try hard to live the golden rule, um, then the God who's way out there, when I die and see him, he'll like me and I'll be okay with him. And that was kind of my religion, just try hard to be good. And uh, that was it for the next six years. And I was in church. I was in a Presbyterian church and then a Lutheran church and some Methodist churches and then military chapels and I'd sing the hymns and And I thought, man, you just kind of try hard to be good. I didn't realize. I didn't realize there was a risen Savior. And there was a decision to make about him and a life to live for him. It was just, you know, read these things and try to go by this and do the best you can as long as you live kind of thing. And finally, I had a roommate. He said, wait a minute. That's not how you begin with God. When you begin with God, there is a decision to make about Jesus, the Messiah, and what you'll do with him. As A.T. and I had talked, we we realized not only do some people struggle to know how to begin, other ones, they know how to begin, but honestly, they struggle with the desire to follow through. There's just not a lot of fire in their spirit or their belly. Nobody's lit it by explaining the wonder of what God has done. And so when it comes to wanting to connect with God and and turn and break the grip of sin and and move towards righteousness and and, and talk about him with others, there's there's no fire in the furnace. Because the wonder of this thing we call the good news has never been dusted off so they could see it. Because when we see it, There is a compelling passion to want to follow. So anyway, A.T. and I were talking about this, and as we did, I thought, you know, I need to learn just to explain to people the simple gospel in a way that they know how to begin. They don't spend their lives walking around the outside of the concert. They can get in. And then when they get in, they want to participate. They don't want to sit on the back row with their arms folded. They want to be down front in the mosh pit. Right? That's it. So for the last couple months, I've been thinking about the good news of God. And uh, what I want to do this morning is pretty simple. I just want to explain it so you can understand it. I want you to be able to understand it well enough that you could explain it to somebody else. I want you to feel the wonder of it so you want to live for Jesus. And then I want you to be able to respond wherever you are. If you've never gotten in, Today, you can get into the concert. And if you're in the concert, move from the back row into the mosh pit. Okay? That's what we want to do. All right. So we're going to understand the gospel. Let's see how we go here. Um, I'm going to go right down. I'm skipping some stuff here. Okay. I want to start by explaining this thing, ah, just like we have it here. I want to explain it in Hebrew, and then I want to explain it in American, and then I want to draw you a picture. In Hebrew, that is in, in terms that the, the Jewish people 
at the time of Jesus would understand using ideas and terms and, and pictures and, and, and things that they knew. That's what we have here. Jesus is sharing the good news of God in a few words, but he can do it in a few words because these people had, 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 had a whole history of understanding those words and he didn't have to unpack them for him. And so here's what we have in, in, in Mark uh, 1, verse 14. When John was put in prison, it says Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. Well, what's that? Well, the good news of God, it starts with the time has come. What does that mean? The time has come. What does that mean? It means that there's a long-standing promise that is being fulfilled. It's happening. It's come. Things that have been promised sometime in the future are now happening. That's what it says. The time has come. The promise is being fulfilled. It's being delivered. What promise? Well, that's where we go on. He says the kingdom of God is near. It's the promise of the kingdom of God. What's that? You and I read those words. It means nothing. A Jew reads those words, and he's been talking about the kingdom of God and all the details of it from the time he entered school as a five-year-old. It explodes in his mind. The kingdom of God is God's promise to come to the earth, to be here with us, to put an end to evil and all of its damage, to pour out his spirit on us so that we live the way we're supposed to live and we respond to him and to one another the way we're supposed to respond to him. Release righteousness on the earth. Bring joy to the heart and peace between the nations and between people forever and ever. It's a wonderful promise. A wonderful promise. That's what Jesus said. The time has come. This is happening. The kingdom of God is near. Then he says, repent. What does that mean? They knew what that means. You and I read that word. We associate it with, with Baptist revivals and, and people in the past and maybe some backward people or emotional. It's a great word, these people. They knew that word. It had been a word that had been precious to them for centuries. Repent. It's very simple. It means turn. Turn from doing life my own way in pride and in, in doing my own thing and making up my own rules and doing religion my own way and family my own way and marriage my own way and parenting my own way and business my own way and everything my own way so that I get what I want my own way. They said, hey, turn from that. Stop and turn around and follow God from the heart. Do marriage his way. Do parenting his way. Do religion his way. Do business his way. Do government his way. Use your authority his way. Husband his way. Wife his way. Father his way. Mother his way. Turn around in the heart and begin to listen and follow God. And then he said, Believe the good news. What does he mean by that? It means the new life that God wants to give, you can have it. Whoever you are. That's the good news. If you will repent, regardless of what you've done, regardless of what you've done, whatever wickedness, whatever damage, whatever blasphemies you've lived or thought or, or, or worked out in your life, they'll all be forgiven. They'll all be forgiven. And you can have life with God. You can be part of the kingdom of God now and forever. That's the good news of God. Do you guys understand that? It's good news of God. Whoever you are, you can take the mess that you're in. God will reach down if you will repent Turn from that and follow him. He'll give you new life, now and forever. That's good news. Wonderful news. Okay, so that's it in Hebrew. Now let me, let me say it in, in American, okay? Here it is in American. Let me just break it down. <clears throat> say these words after me. 
God loves us. And although we've left him to do our own thing, he will save us from the deadness of life without him and give us new life with him, better and forever, through his son Jesus, if we turn and follow him. That's the good news in American. And you can see, look, now listen, there's some elements. You all know chemistry, elements, right? Those are the basic building blocks of, of matter. It's, it's the things you can't reduce things below. It's, it's, it's the basic stuff. There's six elements to this. And as you listen to Jesus preach the gospel, as you listen to John the Baptist before him, Peter and Paul and the apostles, you, you read the letters and the scriptures, you see these elements. They're always there. The first element is, is love. This is the source of the gospel. It comes out of the heart of God. God tells us simply, he says, whoever loves knows God. If you don't love, you don't know God. Why? Because God is love. And he's love in a way, not the way we love. That's the confusion. He doesn't love us because he's attracted. He doesn't love us just because he has affection for it. It goes way beyond affection and attraction. It's the kind of love that is determined to do you good. Even, and this is the distinction, when we've offended and enraged and angered and frustrated and disappointed. You know, when, when that happens to us, we turn away, we withdraw, we get even. Not God. The love of God keeps coming after us. Even when we've sinned, that's hard to get our heads around. It's the love of God. This is the source. This is why there's good news. Listen, God loves you. I was, gosh, you, you listen to Billy Graham and somebody, every time he'd say, God loves you. That's the heart of this thing. And he wants to do you good. He wants to give you life now and forever. Okay, that's the, that's the first element. And you see it right all through the scriptures. Jesus said, God so loved the world. Uh, John talks about this. Paul talks about God commends his love toward us. And while we're yet sinners, Christ died for us. The second is, is life. The desire of God is to give us life. It's to give us life. It's to save us from death and give us life. Jesus said, I'm come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. In him, speaking of Jesus, was life. Truly, truly, I say to you, Jesus said, he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me uh, shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. And it's life with a capital L. It's not rich and famous and powerful and, and, and comfortable. It's a great life. It's much more precious than any of those things. It's a life of honor. It's a life of doing things that matter. It's a life of making heroic choices and decisions. It's a life that ends with you standing before God and all the people in heaven and God saying, well done. And you get to bask in that glory. You ever seen the fellowship of the rings, you know, and those little guys and they're out there and all the crowds around and, and uh, they come down and, you know, and, and, and they, they honor these guys for rescuing the earth. That can be you. That's the life that God wants to give. It's a great life. I'm come that you might have life, have it more abundantly. We need to understand that. I remember we were, uh, um, uh, who was it? We live in here in Oklahoma and we had this yellow lab. And the yellow lab was standing at the French doors, uh, barking outside. And I looked outside and there was this little, there was this little sparrow that had fallen out of its nest. And it was kind of, hopping around in the backyard. And our lab wanted to get out there and get that, get that bird, right? And so, you know, all the kids, no, no, you can't let the, you can't let the dog eat the bird, you know. So, okay. So I said, okay, so they held the dog back, they held the dog back, and I got out through there, and now I'm going after the bird. Why? I want to get it up and out where it can be safe. And you know what that bird did? It tried as hard as it could to get away from me. Now listen, the good news is God wants to get his hands on your life. Why? To rescue you from the big dog. 
We'll talk more about the big dog next week. But there is a big dog that wants to eat you. And it will unless you stop running from God and allow him to get you in his hands and get you back in the nest. God wants to give you life. I just say that. I, I, all I can remember is one, I have a few ideas about God, but one of them is, you know, I remember being a single guy, and I remember thinking, gee, you know, I don't really want to give God my life until I get married because I want to get married and have sex. I mean, that was it. So, and, and the idea was, you know, somehow if I gave my life to, to God, he'd, he, he wouldn't allow that to happen. I had some, some professional dreams, though, and I thought, well, maybe I'll, I'll, I'll wait and give God my life after I do all that stuff. Not realizing he knows what he made me to do. He wants to give us life. Okay, third element. This is sin. This is the problem. This may bother us, but sin, what is it? It's that thing inside us. It's that cocktail in our souls that is a mix of, it's a mix of, of pride and all the stuff that comes out of that. Mysterious meanness, mysterious vengeance, mysterious draw to wickedness. I mean, it, it's us. Uh, ran a, uh, an essay contest, you know, the London Times. What's wrong with the world? It was right after World War I, and everybody thought the world would live in peace, and we'd all bring about peace, and we got World War I instead, and the London Times ran an essay contest. What's wrong with the world? G.K. Testerton wrote the shortest essay ever written. What's wrong with the world? I am G.K. Chesterton. This is sin. This is the problem. We've all walked away from God. Listen, it's where we all start. It's where we all begin. It's true of all of us. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There is not a just man upon earth that doeth good and sinneth not, said the writer to Ecclesiastes. We've all sinned. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. That's God's description of how we responded. We've turned every man to his own way. And that's the problem. Why? Because when we walk away from God, we also walk away from the life that he gives us. We walk away from the abundance. We walk away from the rightness. We walk away from a life uh, of honor and uprightness and significance. We walk away from all the things that he wants to give us. And this is a description of the mess that we're in. Anybody, when I say the mess that we're in, anybody have trouble identifying with that? I mean the mess that we're in between the races, the mess that we're in internationally between the nations, the mess that we're in as a nation, the mess that we're in at our borders, the mess that we're in in our schools, the mess that you're in in your office with the people that you're trying to sell to and buy from and, and get to do what they've committed to do but won't do. The mess that you're in in your marriage with the conflicts and the, and, the, and, the, and the distance. You know how you started out loving each other and couldn't keep your hands off each other and now you can't stand to touch each other. What is that? It's the mess that we're in. The bickering between your children that you hear in the back of the car. That's the mess that we're in. The wages of sin, of walking away from God, is that we, we get into a mess. The Bible calls it death. There's a deadness to life. There's a frustration to life. There's a thinking, why, why can't we get along? That's the death. The soul that sinneth it shall die. The wages of sin is death. God said unto Adam, the day that you eat of this, on this day you'll certainly die. What does it mean? Don't physically die, but I lose the life that God gives me. Your sin has separated between you and your God. And there's a break. And uh, this is part of the gospel. This is the mess that we're in. Fifth element is Jesus. From the beginning of time, God looked down here. Before the world was even made, God sat around 
anticipating what would happen. And they had a conversation. And they knew what would happen. They knew the big dog would talk the people into going their own way. They knew that death would come. And they were wondering, now what can we do to win the hearts of free will people who can either love or not love? What can we do to warm the hearts of free will people so they want to do life with us? And they came up with the idea, one of us would go and we demonstrate our love by dying the most gruesome imaginable death for them. Greater love hath no man than this, than a man lay down his life for his friends. And greater love, you know, hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life in that kind of way for you. And so before the world was ever made, they decided, God the Son, the one we know as Jesus, whose name means the Lord saves, would go to the earth and save those who want to be saved. Jesus. You'll name him Jesus because he'll save his people from their sins. And he would come down and he'd show us God. He'd show us the kindness of God. He'd show us the kind of thing that God wants to do. He'd heal the sick. He'd raise the dead. He'd feed the hungry. He'd calm the storms. He'd bring light and wisdom and righteousness. And then he'd die for us so that that sin, the penalty of sin, could be paid for. And then he'd rise from the dead so that any thinking human being would know he's the one. He's the one. And then he'd reign from heaven and he'd raise up a group of people who would spend their lives reflecting his goodness and sharing his message so that the whole world would have an opportunity to move from death to life. Jesus, he's the who of the good news. And finally, there's turn and follow. This is the decision, by the way. This is the real ticket that gets you into the concert. It's looking at the love of God and recognizing the mess that I'm in the danger that I'm in now and forever and recognizing that God has reached down and it's a decision to reach up and grab his hand. And deep down what we're talking about, it is a decision to turn from doing life my own way. This is, that's the repent. And to follow him, to let him teach me. That is to learn his ways to trust him, to follow him for the rest of my life. That's what it means, by the way, to be baptized. It's saying, I have decided, I am turning from doing life my own way. I'm finished with that. I've made a mess of it, and I know it, and it's not going to get any better. I want to do life God's way. And I'm saying, God, here I am. You've given me your word. I'm going to learn it. You've given me your spirit to help me and strengthen me. I'm going to trust him. And for the rest of my days, I want to belong to you and follow you and serve you. That's conversion. It's not saying, do you want to be forgiven? Sure, we all want to be forgiven. Do you want eternal life? Who doesn't want eternal life? Be sensitive. It's not just asking Jesus into my heart. I don't know what that means. The decision is a decision. I'm not doing life my own way. Not my marriage, not my parenting, not my business, not my religion. Not what I do with my eyes and with my body. I'm done with that. I want to turn and do life God's way. Now, am I going to do it right? No. I'm going to stumble. I'm going to stagger. It's going to be fits and starts. I'm going to need all the help of God. It's going to take me a lifetime to learn it. But in my heart of hearts, I want to follow God. It's like whatever you do when you go to med school, right? You go to med school, you say, I want to be a doctor. It means I'm going to, I'm going to go to class. I'm going to learn this stuff because in my heart, I want to be a doctor, 
And so I'm going to show up and, you know, I'm not going to get 100 on all the tests. And there are going to be some things I'm good at, some things I'm not good at. But by God in my soul, I want to be a doctor. To believe in Jesus means by God in my soul. I want to reflect the character and the life of my Savior. That's what I want to do. That's what it means. That's the gospel. Listen, you can see this in in the preaching. Listen to John the Baptist. Repent, the kingdom of God has come near. That is turn, right? The goodness of God, the new life of God has come near. And then he talks about prepare the way for the Lord. That's the Savior. That's, that's Jesus. This is the gospel. You see it in the preaching of, of Jesus. Come to me. I'm the Savior. I'm the Son of God, the Son of Man, the promised Messiah, the Christ, the Messiah, the, the anointed one, the ones promised from the beginning of time through all the prophets. Come to me. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden. That's the mess we're in. Right? And I will give you rest. That's that new life. Take my yoke upon you. That's an expression of a rabbi saying, come and learn to follow God by learning from me and watching me and imitating me. A rabbi's yoke is his interpretation, his application, his way of living out the scriptures. Come be my disciple. Learn of me. For I'm gentle and humble in heart. I'm going to do you good. I love you. You'll find rest for your souls, he says. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. It's not the deadness of life your own way. It's the life that comes from letting God steer you. That's Jesus preaching the gospel. Peter, repent, he says, and be baptized. That's that turning in the heart. From my own way to God's way. Why? Because he loves me. And I know if I give him my life, he's going to do me good. Repent. Be baptized. Baptism is just, that's what you do when you say, I'm devoted to follow this person for the rest of my life. That's what baptism means. It was an initiation. Right? That's what it is. Every one of you, in the name of Jesus, who is the Messiah, for the forgiveness of your sins, your sins are forgiven, you get to move from death to life, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. That's the help. That's the presence of God. You move from a place where you don't have God, now you're in a place where God, you have him. He's inside. You'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children for all who are far off. That's those who are religious and those who are disreputable. It doesn't matter who you are or what you've done. The promise of God is for all. And so forth. Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Save yourself from the deadness of life without God. I'm going to skip that one. Okay. Let me show it to you in a picture real quick. Show it to you in a picture. I want to give you a picture. This is one that uh, you can draw on a napkin. I want to equip you to share this with anybody. If you got your little, uh, got that little thing bulletin right on the back, there's some, Maggie, you got a bulletin down there? What's that? Well, we'll take off your name tag and write it on the back of your name tag. Get a, get a pen. Now look, let me just show you how to explain this in, in two minutes with a person. And this is helpful. If somebody, if you ever get in the God room with somebody, get in the God room by giving them a prophetic word, praying for a sick person, sharing a bit of what God has done to your life. Maybe they mention a need for God in their life. And you sense that they have some sense that they'd like to get nearer to God than they are. Man, this is the way you can help them. It's real simple. Draw three circles just like this. Maggie, that's what we're doing. Drawing three circles just like this. Okay, the top two circles are the two ways we do life. All right? There are two ways. All people are living life one of two ways. I'm either living life, this is God's way. Right? God's way. And that's with him. And the result of that is I get to experience the love of God. 
I get to experience his direction, his protection, his provision, his teaching, his helping, his coming and living inside of me. And the result of that is life, exclamation mark, right? Abundant and eternal. This is God's dream. It's what he wants to give to all of us. He doesn't want anybody to die but to come to the knowledge of the truth and, and, and to live. This is what he wants for you when he made you. This is what his dream is for you. But the truth is we've all left that, right? We've gone our own way through our own pride. If we're just honest, sometimes through ignorance, sometimes through indifference, but also through defiance, doing things we know aren't right, we've left that. And, and the Bible calls that sin. It's just our proud way. And so in leaving God, we've also left this life. And what we get over here is life our own way, Right? And it's broken. Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall. Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. All the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't put Humpty together again. That's life without God. Right? And it's broken. And we use that term. We use the term uh, broken. Right? That's, what, that's a term we often use. We're broken. I'm broken. You're broken. We're broken. The nation's broken. The government's broken. Races are broken, business is broken, marriage is broken, parents are broken, kids are broken. Life is broken. That's our term. The Bible uses the term death, deadness. And it says that's what we do. The wages of sin is death, brokenness. Now, the truth, the wonderful gospel, this is the backstory. This is where we're at. The wonderful gospel of God is even though we've sinned and we're living in brokenness, God loves us. And so he sent Jesus, right? And Jesus came down to the earth to live with us, to show us what God is like, to show us what God wants to do. That's what the miracles are all about. This is what God wants to do for us and to show us his way. And he died on a cross to take away sin, to pay the penalty so God could justly say, I forgive you. The penalty has been paid. And then he rose from the dead so that we would know that he is the Savior, the Messiah. And what Jesus tells us is very simple. And that is that he will bring us back to God and to the life that God has for us. If we will do two things. We'll turn and follow. Right? Repent and believe. If you turn and follow, I give you new life. That's what he said. For God so loved the world, right? God loved the world that he gave his only son so that whosoever believes in, that's what that is, in him should not perish now and forever, but have what? Everlasting life. Right? That's the gospel. Now everybody lives in one of these two circles, right? I'm either living over here, a life of deadness, I'm living over here, a life of worship and connected with God. Now, let me just ask, just in the few minutes we've got, I just want to ask you, which circle are you in? I mean, now that you understand the gospel, honestly, which circle are you in? You know, I remember when, uh, so I was a freshman in college. I'd been church going for five, six years and uh, had something like this. And, and I knew when my roommate asked me, I, I, I'm just telling you, I knew I was living right over there. I knew that was it. And, uh, and I remember he asked, is there any reason you wouldn't want to do life rather than broken? Now and forever, do life with God. Let him give you what he has for you. And I remember thinking about that. About two weeks later, I said, man, that's what I want to do. And I realized, you know, hey, this isn't working for me. Life my own way. I want new life. And we're giving my life. And I did. I remember I, it was a turning. Say, Lord, I, I want to follow you. I can re still remember that night praying, God, give me, and the word I used was tenacity. I think it was a new word I learned in English, but, <laughs> but I knew what it meant. It means I want to stick with it. I don't want to 
quit. I don't want to get distracted or pulled away. I know this is it, and I know I need to do this for the rest of my life. This is where life is. Don't let me get talked out of it or pushed back or intimidated or distracted. See, there was a turning inside. And the Holy Spirit of God came in. That may sound a little strange, but I had this hunger for the Bible and hunger to be with godly people and a desire to want to break the grip of the sins that kind of had entangled my life and, and uh, new life, new life. This life over here, by the way, is a life to grow and go, right? That's what we're called to. We get born again, we begin, we learn, we stumble, we fall, but there is this growing into the things that God wants to give there is. There's a joy in life. There's a peace in life. There's a freedom from fear and anger. There's an experiencing the voice of God and connection with God. There's an involvement in things that last forever, and there's a hope. And I'm feeling it. I'm 70 years old. I know, you know, 15 years from now, I probably won't be here. That doesn't really bother me very much, honestly. Because I know that the day my body quits will be the most exciting day of my life. Not in a hurry. (laughs) But when the time comes, it's going to be a wonderful moment. Getting there is going to be a struggle. But man, when I finally breathe that last breath, I'll be home. What a day that'll be. Huh, Ruth? You're closer than I am. Okay, let's just be quiet. I, I, I don't want to lose this minute. Um, I want you to be quiet. I want you to engage with a picture. Which circle are you in? Billy Graham used to say, you know, you can be an elder in the church, you can be singing the choir, you can be churchman, you can have gone through all the classes and taken communion for 20 years and been baptized three times. But if you haven't turned in your heart and decided to follow God. You need to do that. And when you do, you'll experience new life. Just be quiet and locate yourself in the circles. If you're in that right-hand circle, wonderful news is you can begin today by making that choice to turn from my own way and say, God, I'm tired of my own way. Thank you for coming and dying for me. I thank you for loving me. Lord, I do. I turn, and I want to follow you for the rest of my days. That's how you get into the concert. If that's you, man, do it today. Walk out of here, get distracted, get sucked into old things. You'll be within a quarter of an inch of the kingdom of God you don't want to you don't want to miss that if you've already made that decision you know the call of God to you is to grow come after me with all your heart and go pass it on so the people around you can have new life Just just respond. Respond to the picture here. Hmm. Father, we thank you for the good news from you. We do. Although we've left you, we can come back. Come back freely. Come back right now. We're going to have new life. Lord, we do. We'd ask that you'd release a revelation of your love. And a revelation of the mess we're in. A revelation of the new life we can have. Lord, you've reached your hand. We just pray down. We pray you'd give us the good sense to reach up and grab it. Turn and follow you.
and then to grow and to go after you and let you fulfill promise of abundant life. Pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to do one other thing. You know, whenever uh, the gospel was preached in the early church, often, often God would, uh, he knows people don't really respond to words alone, so often he'd do things that would confirm. He'd heal sick people. I mean, this is what a lot of the healing was about, is Jesus, the apostles would come, they'd deliver this message. And then, uh, and then they'd have a time where they asked the Lord to come and confirm it by touching people physically and healing. And I'd like to do that this morning. It's very simple. If you've got a physical illness... Don't be afraid. There's nothing to be afraid of. But if you've got a physical illness, you've got, you know, an injury or a disease or um, anything like that, would you just, we want to, here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray and we're going to ask God to touch and heal. Because often when the gospel is preached, God wants us to understand these are not just nice words. This is reality. This is the truth. This comes from God, the creator of heaven and earth. This is a heaven word, not a man word. And I'll often confirm that by touching, by healing. So if you've got something, some illness, anything that God could touch, heal, make your physical body better, would you just stand up? We just want to pray for you guys. I know I'm standing. I've got a hip that's going out on me. Just uh, wherever you are. Could be your eyes, your ears, head, some organ in your body, some back thing, some ear thing. Good. Now, it's very simple. Um, we're not the healers. God is the healer. So what I'd like to do is just have, um, if you just stand, if you're close to these people, just stand around them and... Uh, just ask if you can touch him on the shoulder. And we're going we're gonna to pray that God would bring healing. I'm just going to lead you through this here. So it's real simple now. This, this is, just ask him what, what's, what's sick, what, what needs healing. Just ask him. And if you're the one who's sick, you don't have to give a medical history. Just tell him, you know, hey, I've got a bad kidney, or I've got a bad heart, or I've got headaches, or I can't see, or I can't hear. Just very quickly, uh, just tell them very quickly what it is that you'd like to ask the Lord to do, to heal. Okay? Okay? Now, those of you around, it's very simple. Just want you to put your hand on their shoulder um, and just pray. Just say, Lord, in the name of Jesus... That's the authority of Jesus. I'd ask you to heal and then whatever it is that the person needs. Just ask the Lord to take it away. Just ask the Lord to take it away. Just ask him to have compassion here. Ask him to release his power and to heal what's hurting. Yeah, just pray out loud so the person can hear you, so they know that you're there. Just very simply, in the name of Jesus, I'd ask that this aching back, this aching knee, that the aching would go in the authority of Jesus and by the power of Jesus. I'd ask that you'd heal this person, that you'd make them whole completely, permanently. Okay? Doesn't have to be long or pleading. We're just asking the Lord to confirm his word here this morning. Good. Now, after you've, after you've prayed, just simply, doesn't have to be long, just pray. Just if it's something the person can tell would be better. Um, you know, if it's an aching knee or ankle or headaches or just ask them, just ask him, how was it when he came in? Ask him if there's been any change. 
This doesn't have to be long. Right? When people brought people to Jesus, it didn't take a long time. He'd just touch them and say, he'd tell the sickness to go, command it to leave. Just ask him, ask him to try it out. See if it's any better. Lord, we pray you'd come. You'd release power for healing. Stretch out your hand, Lord. Confirm your gospel. Confirm your good news. Heal, Lord, we'd ask. Okay? Now, no pressure here. Just tell the truth. If you're the sick one, there's no faking it here. We just want to know, has God touched? It's the same. Let's ask one more time. Let's ask a second time. Say, Lord, would you come? Would you bring healing? If it's better... Great. Pray that it go from whatever it is, an eight or a ten, down to a zero. Okay. Okay. There's no magic here. We're just asking God to do what God does sometimes and touch and bring physical healing. Okay. Anybody, uh, anybody experience any change? Some change in your, okay? Back here, okay? Good. Any others? Just if you've experienced any change, I just want to see if the Lord is touched. Okay, got one over here. Jamie? Okay. Good. Yep. Let me tell you a quick story. I was at a time like this, they were praying for the sick. I had a hip replacement and I'd gotten stuck. I'd gotten kind of stagnated in recovery. I was limping badly and couldn't run. I went in a time like this, they prayed for it. I think it was three days later, I went out and ran a mile. Haven't had any trouble since. God often, often does things like that. Shocked me to no end. <laughs> if we could have the ministry team come up. Ministry team, if you guys could come up, you know who you are this morning. Just stand right over here. Um, and then the prophetic folks. Uh, Bethany, if we could have you and Kelly stand over here. If you received a prophetic word, if you just come and let them pray for you. Um, if there's anything else you'd like prayer for, you may need the Lord to break through. We'd love to pray for you. You can just kind of come over here to where Taza is. And Ruth, maybe you and Smokey could just come on over here. Love to pray for you. Let's just stand. And uh, Brad, you got one more song? Okay. Let's sing one more and then we'll go home. Let's stand up. Worship. <laughs>